Launching a card is such a core part of today's financial services. Whether you're an incumbent or a fintech, a card is likely or will likely be a cornerstone product in your portfolio and an important contributor to your revenue. But the work doesn't end with launching a new card. There's a whole world of promotion and growth to move a card from being just another option for a user to moving to top of her wallet. We've looked at the planning that goes into differentiating your card, into creating something new and useful for your customers. But what happens when you put the card into market also matters. Execution is key here and can make the difference for a successful uptake of a new card. I'm Tearsheet Zach Miller, and we wanted to shine some major light on the card launching process, making it easier, smoother, and hopefully more successful. This series is sponsored by Galileo, and participation in this series, we will have some great executives and companies involved, doesn't mean an endorsement of Tearsheet or our sponsor. And as we embark on this journey, we enlisted some of the best fintech and financial services firms out there to talk about what they've learned launching and scaling card products. We turned to some of the top brands like Wise and Dave with millions of cards in their users' hands. We also turned to the platforms and banks, firms like Cross River Bank and First National Bank of Omaha. And we talked to Galileo, the technology and processing platform powering many of today's most popular fintechs. This is the third in a three-part series where we focus on launching and promoting cards. To dive even deeper, I encourage you to download the guide we published incorporating all this inside information and more. To download your free guide, go to tearsheet.co slash card guide. Without further ado, let's jump into the subject. It's a big question. But what differentiates a successful launch of a card versus one that, let's say, doesn't hit its targets? In his business development career at Galileo, Philip Cormier has seen some big successes. I wanted to see if we could distill it down into real action points. For him, it's all about creating growth momentum. And there's nothing wrong with starting slowly. Sometimes that means launching a functional product to begin with and growing from there. Really, it it boils down to understanding your target audience um, and creating a product and a promise that resonates with them and not trying to do too much at once. Um, I often say your 85% solution now is better than the 100% solution later because usually years before you get the 100% solution, you want something that's pretty close. Um, you, you, um, I've got some fintechs that launch and then they're disappointed that they've only you know, opened a thousand accounts in their first month. Like that's what you want. You want it. You want a nice gradual introduction to the market. That's how you vet customers. That's how you, you debug things. Right. As you point out, getting out of the gate and allowing your product to gather feedback can be extremely useful. Stash is a popular investing app that helps people start the road to savings and building wealth. CEO Liza Landsman points out how customer feedback impacted the size and nature of the merchant network her firm built out. I think one of the other things was just um, when we first launched, because as I said, we kind of got out the door really quickly. We had a relatively limited number um, of sort of merchants on the platform, if you will. And over time, one of the pieces of feedback we got, which we have um really put into action is dramatically expanding that network. Um, you could always choose um, ETFs or, or baskets of ETFs to earn stock in, but um, having a broader network where, like the example I gave with Starbucks, 
um, where any of these sort of major places you might shop, you could actually earn equity in, um, was feedback we got from customers and we actually brought into the platform. That's cool. Here's Galileo's Cormier again. In his business development role, he's seen new card ideas up close. And what differentiates the winners? There's so much that goes into launching a card. It's natural to want to get everything right. Oftentimes, it's not about spending more to get it right, but about doing the right things and focusing on those. Um, I had a client once that um, was trying to perfect like this see-through card and went through months and months and months of experimentation with the card manufacturer to try and get it right. They just couldn't. I'm like, you guys need to give up on that. Pick something else because you are losing time. Um, but you can get, they can be so passionate about something that they just won't move forward. And in reality, your card design, the color of your card makes very little difference in the long-term use of that. Um, your question about big splashy versus kind of quiet and slow. Um, we've worked with partners that have spent 15, 20, $25 on the package that it comes in the mail and it's sort of the presentation and the opening they think it's all going to go viral, people opening up this package. And it's great for first impression. But if the product's not good, it's not priced right, it just, it's a waste. Um, oftentimes, something simple um, is just as effective and significantly less expensive, which gives you more money for marketing and for other things. Yeah, it makes sense to focus more on the product. A lot of times, it's harder to point to what a card program did right. But there are definitely pitfalls that can save time, money, and heartache, frankly, along the way. We had um, or have a customer that um, was very anxious to get to market quickly. And they had an existing company with existing revenue streams. They wanted to add a new revenue stream and wanted to be in market much quicker than we were prepared for, for them to be, knowing that they wouldn't be ready. We argued, test, 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 test. They said, we're, we're perfectly comfortable that if something goes wrong, we own it. I said, well, I want you to put that in writing <laughs> because six months after they launched, they had a big problem um, that was based on them not testing. And it was something to do on their back end. Mm -hmm. uh, and it ended up costing them quite a bit um, in terms of customer refunds and some other things. Um, I have an example of a client that took, it was an enterprise. Um, took almost four years. They went through a year and a half pilot. They went through all of this you know, evaluation and being a big enterprise and being bureaucratic, it took them you know, a year to build it and then launch it. And in that time period, the market moved on. And so the product they launched on day one was already sort of outdated and not competitive. Um, and it was no surprise that you know, they, they ran that product for about a year and then just shut it down. Um, they just took too long and they weren't nimble enough. Um, I have examples of programs that um, uh, also want to launch very quickly. And if everyone who's in the business long enough, um, you know, when a new bin is issued, it takes time for that bin to be updated in all the merchant tables. Walmart, for example, does one update a quarter. So if you missed it by a day, it's three months before your card is recognized in Walmart. Um, another reason for test, test, test is to make sure that you're comfortable that acceptance of your card is good enough. You don't need to wait three months, but you need it to be good enough. Otherwise, that initial impression, consumers will get declined and it doesn't take very many declines. 
for someone to just throw your product in the trash and start over with someone else. So wait long enough to make sure the product really is working. And there are plenty of examples of good launches to learn from. In speaking with the brands and the platforms, it became increasingly clear that differentiating a card concept, planning it really well, and just executing to the T were core to getting a program off the ground. Here's Galileo's Cormier again, with an interesting case study comparing two similar cards, one that did well and the other less so. Yes, so we have a client of ours who um, they, their original product was sort of a, uh, a savings and investing uh, app. And so it helped people with micro savings that it would look at your transaction history and suggest how much you should save every day. It might be a dollar, might be $10 to 15, very small increments that would add up over time and then present you ways to either budget for purchases, how to invest that money. And they wanted to add a debit card that allowed people to then get access to their savings and spend it when they're ready to uh, ultimately try to you know, become an everyday product. And this is actually kind of very interesting because we had two of these exact same concepts. They were competitors. They were like apples to apples. They both signed with us about two weeks apart. Company A launched almost to the day a year later and hit the ground running. They were opening thousands of accounts every month and have continued and just been very, very successful. Company number two took their time. They didn't launch for almost two years and they they haven't put a lot of emphasis behind it and it is very, very slow. And so, you know, these it's a it's a wonderful case study for us as um, you know, company A was very committed. They had a very good plan. They hit all their marks, uh, launched when they wanted to, and executed very well. And the other company just didn't. That's a really interesting comparison. Another great example of how much weight a company should throw behind its marketing campaigns comes from international money transfer firm Wise. Wise didn't aim to go viral through its marketing when it launched its card. There also weren't any super splashy Super Bowl ads. Instead, Wise relies on old school techniques like word of mouth. Here's Wise's Sharon Keen elaborating on the marketing ethos that put her firm's card into millions of users' hands. We tend to spend most of our time building the product rather than talking about the product and marketing the product. And it's, uh, you know, we, we're not, you don't see us on the subway, for example, in New York. We're not one of those companies that's splashing money and time on adverts. We do do some advertising. And if you um, look closely, you'll see that we've just rebranded. So our website now looks a very different color and, in my opinion, looks a lot more fresh and exciting than it did a few weeks ago. So we do invest in that, but not to the degree maybe some companies do. Um, but our principle when we do is to be really clear on what our message is and uh, resonate with the customer. So the important things with our debit card that we would want to communicate is um, some of the stuff I've just said around the fact that you can use it anywhere and it just magically converts the currency for you. And it does it without charging you a fee and it does it at the mid-market rate. So you get the fairest option when you're spending money in a different currency. Uh, and those are the things that we talk about. Those are the things that appear in our adverts. Uh, and, you know, when we go to market, we do we do the basics. We, of course, we tell our customers that we've done this, uh, especially the ones that have been asking us for a feature. We'll, we'll email them directly often when we're, we're launching products and say, hey, this, this is new. And if you want to try it early on, please do and give us feedback. Uh, and then gradually scale that up. Um, but what we don't tend to do is is sort of multi-channel 
uh, kind of big TV campaigns um, around things like that. We, we much no Super Bowl in- ads. No Super Bowl ads, not yet, not yet. I, that would be fun though, wouldn't it? I um, would be down for uh, having a go at that. Uh, but no, like, what we really believe is if we build something really good and get it to our customers, they'll use it and they'll be impressed by it, and then they'll tell their friends about it. And at Wise, actually, like generally across our markets majority of our new customers come via that word of mouth. So upwards of 60%, which is pretty incredible. Okay. Because the bigger card processors look at their clients as investments, there's another important point to be made. Ideas need to be vetted and the macro environment will definitely color the processor's willingness to onboard a new client. For example, good luck trying to partner with a processor on a crypto to fiat card. There's little appetite for that now, even if it's a good idea. Here's Cross River's Anthony Pachulik on some trends his firm is seeing. So um, we've definitely been seeing, first of all, there's there's definitely demand, right? I don't think there's a question of lack of demand. Um, we're still seeing a lot of programs, albeit yes, funding has been uh, declining, but there's still plenty of companies and programs looking to launch cards. What, what we've seen is actually a shift from uh, requests for more debit or checking kind of uh, solutions to now more credit card solutions. That, that shift has occurred probably well over a year now ago. Um, we've definitely seen a, you know, it's kind of flipped in terms of the pipeline, right? Um, 80, 20 almost. Um, what in addition, and what that means is that, you know, we're seeing a lot of demand for commercial, for example, commercial credit cards are a big demand product. Um, credit builder consumer cards um, tend to be also, uh, we're seeing a lot of folks and unfortunately, given our economic situation, you know, there is definitely, a, 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 unfortunately, again, a, a big need for that here in this country, right, to help raise people's credit scores and get them back on track. Um, and then we're, you know, we're seeing, we're still seeing some element of, I'm going to use the term, you know, whether it be embedded finance or using rewards or, or building more custom solutions for brands. Um, you know, not the biggest portion of the pipeline, but definitely we're seeing a lot of, you know, you call it co-brands, you could say what you like, but really trying to bring payments right into, into someone's uh, brand kind of uh, experience. Yeah, the industry has definitely improved. The previous few years of bull market and fintech meant that partners and vendors learned how to operate on shorter timelines to move quickly like the fintechs. So programs that used to take many months and sometimes years are seeing shorter launch times. It's getting easier and faster to launch a card. FNBO has a new credit card as a service program called Bend. Here's Mark Butterfield, SVP of Innovation and Disruption, on the value of building a live sandbox to build and test new card programs. What we also are looking at doing, and this is still early in this evolution of this banking as a service platform for credit card, is I want to be able to deliver, I'll call the inverted model which is a sandbox model, which is a brand might just want to test with a few cards and just try it out and not talk to anybody. And at that, and then at a certain point, it triggers of, okay, now you want to actually offer a program. That is what's really intriguing to me is how can I do that at scale? And I have not answered that question yet. We're still figuring that out with our Bend platform, but I want to be able to allow people to use test accounts on board a program in a test environment, put it to a production live environment, but still only have the exposure below. I still want to provide that guardrail. But if they don't want to talk to us and they just want to build it through a dev portal, through APIs, I'm happy to do that. We don't have that product yet, but that's what I want to get to. For its part, Galileo has positioned itself as a kind of general contractor, 
identifying potential partners, making introductions, giving advice, and providing direction and experience. Its work with clients begins with securing a partner bank. This means even understanding what could happen as your program scales. Will you need new partners or can your partners scale with you? The bank's role and who acts as the program manager matters here as well. Galileo's Susan Chaffin describes a growth and maturation curve in terms of the relationship fintechs and brands will have with their banks and partners. If you enter into an agreement with the banking as a service provider, it's important to understand how that works and the impact it has on revenue splits too. So, Zach, if you came to us and said, I have a program or have an idea and I've got, again, my, my $10 million or $5 million, whatever it is. I have an idea and I want to have a program. Um, what really comes down to if you want to be your own program manager or if you want Galileo to be your program manager is who has the relationship with the bank. That's truly what it is. And so if you don't want to have a relationship with the bank, Galileo can be your program manager. If you want to have a relationship with the bank so you can work directly with the bank on whatever it is that you'd like to communicate, take Galileo out of the middle man seat, um, then you can work directly with the bank. But a lot of people are like, oh, but what about Bass? I need a Bass provider. I want someone to do everything for me. I'm like, well, let's talk about actually what it means to be a program manager, because it really is who has the relationship with the bank. Galileo has all of these a la carte services that you would say, oh, well, but that's what Bass is. Well, no, Bass really, it, it, it truly is what is that end to end solution. But being a program manager is, well, who has the relationship with the bank? Galileo supports call centers, um, IVR solutions, the velocity controls. Um, we have compliance, um, you know, AML, BSA. So all of these little components of what a BAS is, it truly is, well, who has the relationship with the bank? Another key item is with a lot of BAS players, it's you're on a shared bin. And so if you have a graduation strategy that you're like, well, I just want to get my feet wet. I want to get in the door. I want to be able to make sure. So maybe I'm going to go with a bass player. Well, as soon as you decide, well, guess what? I am going to be big enough. I am robust enough. Yes, yes, I, I want to do this. We're well, in a shared bin. That means that you're going to have to bring up a brand new bin for this to be your own program. You're your own program manager and you're reissuing. And who owns those accounts? Um, depending upon your bank agreement or your processor agreement, it's the bank usually, it's the program usually. So really understanding, do I want to be my own program manager or not? Again, it's that relationship and I'd say that shared bin. So onboarding with Galileo, even us as a program manager, we are always thinking the big picture as far as well, in two years when you're going to be ready, when you're going to have the staffing and the, let's say you're going to bring on your own compliance team, um, et cetera, you'll be in a good position to just move your funds flow and money movement, let's say, and then take all of the benefits of, from a monetary standpoint, because that's really what it comes down to. You know, if you're on a BAS solution, you're giving your processor, you know, a large uh, percentage of your basis points from interchange. Um, if you're your own program manager, you're keeping 100% in most instances of that interchange. So 
it really is a, um, you know, a pro and con. Gotcha. So getting partnerships right is also about how much control you want to retain. We've said during this series that partnerships are super important in the success of launching a new card. And like a marriage, this is intended to be a multi-year deal. When sizing up potential partners, Cross Rivers Pachulik recommends thinking about what can go right. What will this relationship look like years down the road? How will this relationship impact the end user service? Cost is there and you do have to be, um, you have to be aware of cost because these are longer term deals. These aren't one year deals. Some may do that, right? But, but in reality, most are three to five years. And so when you sign these deals, your business now, your business two years from now are going to be very different potentially. And it could put you in a situation where you can't sustain your business if you're, you know, if you're not really thinking about the whole picture of what it's going to cost to build this. Um, you know, and the last thing I'm going to tell folks, again, technic technically, look, a lot of people have caught up. You know, there's a lot of, you know, most of the platforms these days are modern. Maybe not all the banks like us, but regardless, I think that you you need to, that's an important piece. But what you'll find is for the most part, right, folks, you know, you, you'll find a pretty modern, usually tech stack. Operationally, however, people forget about that and they forget about what it takes to manage this day to day. If you don't manage your fraud, right, your fraud losses can sneak up on you. Chargebacks. I mean, you go through the list of all customer support. I mean, if you think about it, just the cost of customer support, if you if you can't handle situations quickly enough, right? But at the same time, also don't throw people off the phone because you don't want them to have a bad experience. It's a balance. So, so there's things like that, which you, a lot of folks don't, they just put things on a spreadsheet, right? And, and then, you know, in the present, in a PowerPoint, sound great. But in reality is, is that these things come about and you have to manage them once you go live. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of different pieces to manage. Before choosing a bank partner, deciding on an issuer is super important for the success of a card program. And it's not one size fits all here either. Some issuers are better at certain things than others. So you can make a great judgment call on, is Galileo the right partner for you? Um, who are the other third parties? What do I need for this holistic program? So it's more of a even a checklist to make sure that I know what I need or what you need, Zach, to be very successful with your fintech solution. Um, marketing strategy, you know, being able to present to a bank in the best light. Uh, you may not have a banking partner in mind. Well, we listen to what you have to say in this lovely client solution guide and then say, okay, well, how about we suggest some introductions to banks because Galileo is connected to 30 plus banks. And well, who fits best based on your requirements? And then we make an introduction, but then we also help prep you with, this is what a bank wants to hear. This is what a bank needs to understand about your program uh, to again, make that best match. And the larger um, executive and operations team we say, okay, well, has the client thought about this? Um, do they have the funds necessary? Do they have the bank um, you know, agreements necessary to be able to say, all right, this is a partner that we know will be successful. Um, I'd say it's actually, you know, um, it's it's Galileo's investing probably just as much as uh, as that new programs investing. Galileo charges a very, very, very low implementation fee. 
let's just call it skin in the game fee. Um, and so it takes Galileo probably a year and a half or more to be able to see profit from that new program. And so we're very much vested in success of our programs. And so again, that's why the solution architecture team really vets and really understands how many staff members do you have? What is their experience level? Um, You know, when do you want to launch this program? What are your MVP plus goals? Again, because matching to the right processor, matching to the right partner is absolutely key. You don't want to get three months in and go, oh my God, I have no idea I got myself into this. As technology has improved, it's gotten technically easier to launch a new card into the market. That's all true, but it hasn't made it easier to launch a successful card. That still requires a lot of planning and navigating partnerships, product decisions and differentiation, value propositions, and just flat out good marketing. We've talked to some of the best in the business in order to learn what made their card successful, to learn how they launched new cards used by millions of people and businesses. A few things resonate, beginning with the value of good old planning. Sure, it's hard to know the outcome of launching a new card early in the development process, but good planning and some luck will take you a lot of the way. So will choosing the right partners. If it takes a village to raise a child, it takes an ecosystem to launch a successful card. Good luck on your journey. I'm Zach Miller, Tearsheets Editor-in-Chief. This three-part series on best practices to launch a card is available wherever you get your podcasts. But if you want a full transcription, that's available on our website. Go to tearsheet.co to get it. And there's an accompanying guide, Card Launching 101, How to Launch a Successful Card. You can get your copy for free at tearsheet.co slash card guide.